What's up everybody, Clint Esposito here with the Clint Esposito Show number 38. On this episode I talked to John Parker. He is a BMX rider, actually went to the X Games for the first 10 years the X Games was going. He obviously was on Ride BMX magazine on the cover there as you can see. He owns Stunt Masters, which is a BMX demo company providing demos all over the country. Uh, he has written a few, two children's books, um, and he just got into comedy. So I hope you enjoy my discussion with John Parker. What is up everybody? Clint Esposito with the Clint Esposito Show number I think this is 37 um, and we have a guest on today I brought him on because <clears throat> not only does does he do comedy but also uh, BMX so a little bit of a another action sports person that decided uh, they wanted they were also funny or wanted to be funny I don't know uh, John Parker what's up hey wanted to be funny trying to yeah, be funny working yeah, you on and it. me both <laughs> exactly. Some people think I'm funny. Some people have to explain it to. Well, you know, that's what I've realized with comedy, right? Is it's all just, it's like music. It's not say, I don't ever say that music is bad anymore. I say that's like not my type of music. Right. <laughs> um, right. So I think comedy is the same way. It's very uh, subjective versus, uh, you know, BMX. Let's talk about that. You did. How long have you done uh, BMX? I've been riding for a way long time. Let me see. I started in 1988. So a little before it was blowing up, but it was still kind of cool. Like people knew about it, but you didn't have magazines. You didn't have YouTube. It wasn't all over the Internet. So still a little underground. Right. It was core at that point. Core. I, that's what I like to think. <laughs> <laughs> it was, right? And that's even... So I started uh, riding dirt bikes probably maybe around the same time i was no i started riding bicycles probably around the same time um mm -hmm. and then i got into dirt bikes and i remember when fox hit the malls you know like it was very disappointing right because that was like a core right. brand and then right. uh, i remember seeing a kid at the mall and he had a fox shirt on and i was like oh you ride because previous to that <laughs> if somebody had a fox shirt on they definitely rode and, right. he, and he was like, ride what? And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Times change, man. Just like you were saying with humor. Like, like he used to think, you know, poop and fart jokes were funny. And then you grow up and you got to start using four-letter words or whatever. But, yeah, it changes <laughs> as you grow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you started doing BMX in 88. And then you – have you done contests, just demos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, well, I discovered bike riding one day at school. So not all bad, not all good things come outside of school. Good things come at school. So I'm sitting <laughs> at the bus stop after school one day and this kid comes flying down the sidewalk on his bike, jumps up on his frame, does a little trick called the frame stand. I'm like, what the heck is that? So I started doing a little bit of homework and discovered BMX, got a bike, fell in love immediately, rode all the way through high school. And then, uh, I think right after my, maybe it was my senior year, I went to my first contest and Woody Itson, I don't know if the name rings a bell with you, Woody Itson, old school BMX rider, had started the um, GT freestyle team, show team. 
So he hands me his card. He says, call me Monday. So I was supposed to start college, my second semester of college, actually, that next week. And uh, I dropped out to go to China for a month, ended up traveling around the world, rode the X Games for 10 years, toured with uh, Tony Hawk for about five years. We did the Boom Boom Hawk Jam. And uh, yeah, I pretty much rode everything I could for 20 years until um, until it came to an end. Yeah. (laughs) Not an end. Change. A change, let's say. I yeah. wish my change had been a little bit more smooth, but you know how that goes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's, you know, that's why I was uh, pumped just to see that you did um, something like that and enjoy comedy too, because I actually do have a lot of freestyle motocross friends, a handful that have brought up that they would like to try comedy and they just have the, the cold feet, I guess, of actually going to a mic and they keep trying to write the perfect five minutes to go to the mic. And I'm like, stop that. Just go to a mic. Right. Right. You could write the perfect five minutes and get on stage and be like, ah, you got no minutes at all. Yeah. So you got to start somewhere. And I'm kind of new to it too, a little fledgling. I've been announcing shows like freestyle shows, BMX shows, skateboard shows for like, 15 years so i'm not afraid to be in front of an audience but i don't like i don't like when they don't think i'm funny yeah (laughs) so that's always tough yeah i take any of those um times where you don't connect like and that's how i'll put it you just didn't connect with the audience i like to think of that as like i i chose the wrong material or i opened poorly or maybe i flubbed the joke like but i try to look at the reasons why i did a poor job of connecting with them and just be like it's an opportunity to kind of uh address that and then fix it you know versus being like they didn't think i was funny or whatever because you could do the exact same set uh, at an eight o'clock show and then do it at a 10 o'clock show and get two totally different reactions from the people. Right. I believe that. I believe that. <clears throat> so I'm out here in Gilbert, Arizona and uh, my local comedy club is JP's comedy club and yep. they're pretty awesome. Not John Parker. No, Jim it's Perry. not your club. Not JP, not John Parker. It's a different <laughs> JP, but he's awesome. And uh, I don't know if you know, Rick Thorne, Yep. He's really into comedy in L.A., does some gigs, does band stuff, rides bikes, and does comedy. So it's pretty, if you hit yourself in the nuts enough, you start um, finding humor in everything, I think. Steve-O, for instance. <laughs> right? Steve-O's a comedian now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably some of that stuff. Is Thorne doing comedy himself, or is he just like hosting? Yeah. Oh, no, cool. no, he does stand up. Yeah, yeah. Check him out on his, um, I don't know, his Instagram off the top of my head. Biker in Black, maybe. Probably. But, uh, I would hope so. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think, right? Mine is Stunt Masters because uh, mostly my my 24, seven day a week job is putting on action sports events. Awesome. So we do, we do shows. I got a team out in um, Missouri today doing a couple shows. And then they end in Long Island, so up in your neighborhood. Oh, yeah. But uh, we put shows on around the country. I announce at him, I ride at him and put other people to work at him. And then uh, COVID comedy sort of like was like my little uh, stay safe, stay sane kind of thing. You know, sitting around the house, all of our shows got canceled. Basically took a year off almost. So that's when I started thinking, you know, I should look into comedy. I always think I'm funny. I should try it out and see if other people do too. 
So that's sort of where it fell into my lap. And then JP's opened up right down the street. So it's kind of a perfect, perfect um, beginning, maybe. Yeah, that's kind of, um, they're new, right? JP's? Because I remember yeah, that they, just started popping They've been around up. about a year, I think. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think it was that old. Um, so you started during the pandemic with the comedy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my origin of comedy is very similar to yours because I owned FMX East for a long time and booked all my own shows. Um, and then I had at the time, um, I think, it, I don't know, I had a couple of companies, worked with some other people, I had partners and um, I had gotten hurt, blew my shoulder out. And instead of hiring other people to announce the show, um, I just, you know, and a rider because I would normally ride the show. So I just hired an extra rider and then I went in and announced. And right. during the show, I just started saying stuff that was funny to me. It's like, just, I don't know, I was just talking and I was slipping stuff in. And then I caught, there were like a couple of people around the crowd that were laughing. And I'm like, right. oh, like, there, some people are getting this. It's just a right. finite amount of people that are actually understanding what I'm saying. But I was like, this is kind of fun watching their reactions and stuff. Oh, totally. And I'm like, I'm just in the wrong... Like, I'm in the wrong venue for this, which is why people don't expect jokes right now, which is why most of the people aren't even catching on to it. Uh, so then, yeah, after I stopped riding, I, um, I was in uh, Texas. I moved back to New Jersey. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do now? I want to do something where you have the opportunity to travel. And you still kind of get those butterflies, you know, of performing. And it's not like I'm going to die, at least now. Uh, so <laughs> I started, I was like, and now I'm in New Jersey. So if you're going to try it right now is perfect scenario. So that's it. I just started going by myself to Mike's wouldn't even tell anybody and just right. go to Mike's. And then eventually I felt like I was like, okay enough to be like, Hey, I do. I am actually doing a little bit of comedy. Yeah, that's really cool. That's um, really cool. I get to try. I'm traveling still a little bit. So I've, uh, I get to see, go to clubs all over. Yeah, that's tried a couple awesome. different stages. I haven't really, haven't quite broken through because I got a lot of material, but I don't have. It's not like ingrained in my head. Yeah. So, um, I'm uh, and I switch back and forth between being really serious and then not so serious. So, for me, it's still a little bit of a head game. I'm not a veteran by any means, but got a little time ahead of me. Yeah, I mean, and I'm only, uh, I think, seven years like this Thanksgiving. Um, so I'm not like super you know, uh, knowledgeable or whatever you want to call it experience. Yeah, right. Um, and there was even the first couple of years I didn't take it super serious and I didn't go and do a ton of stuff. Uh, but I really, I do really enjoy, I would say it's not exactly like, you know, performing on a dirt bike, but it's very similar and you still get after a good set, you still go home the way you go home after you ride. You know, like you right. feel like just energy, like you're pumped up. You're like, yeah, that was yeah, awesome. Definitely. And you keep running stuff over in your head. Yeah, that's very cool. Yeah, right? Like, do you not feel that it's super? Oh, no, I totally do. Like, I've only, I to be honest, I've only been on stage, comedy stage, four times. So oh, I'm like wow. super green. I uh, took some classes with a guy just to sort of break in. And we did a bunch of like stuff within the little class, if you will. But I've only been in front of like a, a uh, club audience four times. 
Okay. Three of which were at my club right down the street, which is really cool. Yeah, that's so, cool. But it's just fun. I mean, I, you know, it's just like when you're riding the bike or a motor FMX, like you feel good because you get to like affect people's emotions. They get excited. They get out. Yeah. yeah. And it's the same idea with comedy, like different idea. People aren't usually scared out of their mind or like, you know, threaten anything. But but you, you say things that affect people or you do things on your bike that affect people and it, and it makes you feel good. I, I agree with that. I, I did, ironically, my whole freestyle career, I was, and I didn't ever think about comedy in this way until, like I said, basically right at the end there. But um, I was always jealous of like musicians, how they could really connect with the audience, where right. you do connect with the audience kind of with tricks. But it's not like I imagined, and obviously it's different with comedy, but with music, those people are singing songs that they wrote, and the people know the songs and are singing them back. Like, think about right. how crazy of a of a feeling that must be. And I think comedy, a little bit like you coming up with things to say, and then people reacting to them, I think, kind of gives you that similar right. type of feeling. Well, I don't. I definitely feel like with words, you can express more of your personality. Yeah, exactly. It's like if you're singing or you're talking, like, personality really comes out whereas if you're riding the bike all they do is see you right. reaction not so much the words exactly and it's just like oh that was crazy and that's kind of the whole gist of it <laughs> yeah, not like... that was sick <laughs> that hurt when you hit yourself <laughs> um how many do you have multiple setups uh show wise we've got um one big ramp a full-size half pipe that's good for skateboard, BMX, inline skate, scooter, the whole nine, the whole nine yards. And then we've got two quarter pipe jump box setups, and then three other jump ramp setups. Nice. So right now we got a crew in Missouri. They started in New Mexico, and they're ending up in Long Island, and they're touring with a, a jump box, which is an airbag. So it blows up. The landing blows up. So you got a lip. And then a landing that's like inflates. Yep. So it's really quick to set up, and it travels really compact. So. So that's really cool. What kind of demos are they doing? Uh, these are all school shows. Yeah. And our school assembly, it's a BMX assembly. They all come with a message and a little bit of humor, ironically. So usually we're talking about character building, uh, drug awareness, goal setting. And and we're joking with the kids, having a good time and doing awesome tricks on our bikes. So I have actually gone and announced some a BMX show like this or two. A couple years ago, oh, I announced cool. one in um, Massachusetts, um, but similar type of thing. It was school assembly, and we showed up. I just obviously, I, I actually drove the ramp there. The BMX, I kind of helped set up a little bit, and then I just announced the show, and that was it. But um, yeah, similar type of thing, like a assembly, and you're trying to um, you know draw the kids in with the action sports. It's weird. Exactly. This never happened with freestyle motocross. They're like, you're not <laughs> that'll be a tough one, right? <laughs> well, <laughs> it's very similar, right? Like it's only, I right. guess, marginally more dangerous than BMX. Need a little more room, but yeah, no, it could true. be. It could go over well. I, I know there would be the right venue for it, you know, for schools, but it'd be a little, little more difficult. Ours is quick and easy. We set up, and it takes yeah. like twenty minutes to set up, twenty minutes to tear down. We can go inside of gyms. We can go in yeah. little parking lots or basketball courts. So, yeah, I definitely um, we're we're not they're not letting us on their gym floors. That's the thing, <laughs> right? Gym floors, you got to be real careful. 
Exactly. Well, that's just it. You know, the P, usually the uh, the PE coach will come out and be like, "Can I put that on my floor?" Yeah. I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, better be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, those wood floors. That's the thing. You chip one of those real bad. Oh yeah, and uh, we, you know, obviously we have the insurance and whatnot, so. But we're extra careful. I mean, we've been on NBA floors before. Yeah. Those guys are uptight. Yeah. Well, that's an expensive <laughs> floor. <laughs> exactly. And it's really sad because with those, when you do like halftime shows at a basketball game, you've got like five minutes for the entire show. Yeah. Five minutes to set up, ride, five minutes, all that. You got In five minutes, you got to set up, ride, and tear down. Yeah. Be out of there. So um, it's a little bit. We did a NHRA drag race at um, whatever that one in, in Tennessee is. Uh, oh, yeah. Bristol Dragway. And they had a same thing. We were basically like kill time when a car, you know, blew a transmission and they were cleaning the oil. But it was literally like six minutes. So, like, right. they wanted us to drive out, set up. We jumped, like, three times, and then they're like, all right, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then the whole time, because I got this big box van, I'm, like, backing up in front of the crowd, and everybody in the crowd is screaming at me to get out of the way. And I'm just <laughs> like... <laughs> Trust me, you're going to like this. Give me five minutes. Um, I'm like, I can only go so fast. I'm sorry. Um. So that's all you did uh, X Games, you said, as well? Yeah, I did the uh, first 10 years. And the, I think we started up there in Rhode Island, actually. Yeah. And then um, on the 11th year, I had a bad injury. I had to take the year off. Couldn't remember my name for a few months. And then I rode a couple more years. And then I got relegated to judging. And then just sort of, you know, then X Games sort of weaned, tapered off a little bit as far as contests and, mm. and sponsor money and and then 2008, 2009, the whole world just sort of, like, slowed down a lot. Yeah. So, and so did I. <laughs> so I moved back. I actually lived out at, at Woodward East in Pennsylvania. Okay. Yep. So I lived there in State College about half an hour away for about six years. And then when the contest scene sort of slowed down, sponsorship dollars slowed down, I ended up coming back west to Arizona. Didn't quite make it back to California, but... Now I'm out here just putting on my own shows and still riding bikes, putting on shows. Yeah, that's awesome. That's what it's about, right? Is doing so. Yeah, I mean it's really cool because I uh, went to. I missed my reunion, my high school reunion, but um, went to uh, my hometown a while back, like about a month ago. <clears throat> and I see some old kids I went to school with. I guess they're adults now, right? But I uh, see some people I went to school with, and I'm like, I'm still doing the same thing I always did. Yeah little different capacity but still riding bikes i think most people don't uh can't relate because they didn't get to do something that they really enjoyed for you know a living right you know so i think a lot of people for some reason don't see that stuff as um like a you know a regular way to make money Right. I think a lot of people and get stuck in just you going to work or whatever, and then that's the end of it. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I've been very fortunate. It seems like you have, too. Like, finding a passion and being able to share it such that you can make a living on it's pretty awesome. And that's one of the things we always talk about at motivational shows. You know, find something you like to do, get really good at it, and then share it with the world. And if you do that right, there's a way you can make a living at it. Yes. 
You know, and people always go, uh, learn to love the process. And I don't agree with that statement exactly. I think it's find something you love doing that's loving the process and then do that, you know, versus trying to like be like, well, I'm going to learn to love this. <laughs> right, right. I, hopefully you don't have to learn to love it. Hopefully you just fall in love like a romance. Like with me, I love bike riding from day one. So, I mean, the next, I discovered it, like, in uh, my June, my um, freshman year of high school. And by the time I got out of high school, I had a little sponsorship. And then I started taking college classes, but I dropped out to go on tour. So, it's like, I love the process of learning tricks because I liked riding bikes. But you should not force yourself to like the process. Like, oh, if I do it just like this, I like it. That's exactly. Not, you know, That's I don't not, like driving to work every day, but if I take this one route and I listen exactly. to this one book on the uh, audio book and I uh, have a coffee, then I, then it's bearable. <laughs> like, exactly. That's kind of sad. Right. And that's what people say that a lot. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Why don't you do something you love and then, you know, you're passionate about it. And the issue I think a lot is that uh, people think they're just going to do what they love and then make money. And it's not like that. You have to do what you love long enough to be good enough or proficient enough in it that when the opportunity comes, you are in the place to take advantage of that. Right, right. If you you got to know, know where the opportunity is and see it. If you had waited for somebody to offer you, because I had people go, hey, what tricks do I need to learn to do freestyle? And I'm like, that's <laughs> not how it works. I said, I want to see you show up all the time and practice and get better and feel confident that you can do your tricks in any situation. No matter where we go, what the surface is, you'll be able to pull your tricks. That's all I want. It's not a magical trick. But that is really loving it and being consistent and being there all the time. Exactly. And, you know, like when it comes to um, competition versus shows – different attitude, different style of riding, maybe. I mean, you definitely, I've ridden with some of the best skateboarders in the world, but you could tell they didn't want to do the show they were at. Right. They're like, eh, whatever. I'm too cool to be here. And they were too cool to be there, but they can fake <laughs> it for 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Like, smile, wave, do what you love to do. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. there's a little different attitude when it comes to that. But I think, and this is probably a good, actually, thing to talk with you about because, um, I've said it a bunch, but I think in any of these BMX and FMX and probably skateboarding as well, you have two um, routes to go. You can be a show rider, and that's kind of like um, consistent. Your risk is consistent, and you have to, you're doing more smaller shows with the tricks that you do or trying to be a contest rider where now you spend more time at home trying to work on real big gnarly stuff to just go and set it down at like these three big events a year right which is like i think a lot of people get into a lot of people start action sports Wanting to do X Games, which, I mean, obviously, because that's most likely the first thing that you see that gets you interested in it. But a lot of people end up seeing the money at the beginning at demos and then being like, well, I want to make that money uh, and then never make it past that to go to contests. Right. 
right? Because if it's you're... tough to say because, like, now you know, there's kids now that are like 15, blowing my mind, doing tricks that you know never even conceived of when I was when I was 15. So things change quickly, and obviously, the 15 year old kid, hopefully, he's not just thinking about making money because um, a, it's tough to do in our sport, and b, if you're just thinking about the money, you're gonna fall out of love quickly. <laughs> you yeah. know, if that if that trick isn't worth whatever dollar sign you think it has pegged to it, then there might be a problem. Right. But uh, like I was saying, when it comes to shows and contests, it's a different mentality because if you go to a show, the main idea is to entertain. Yeah. You know, drag the people in, get them behind you and your actions and your words if you're speaking. Whereas when a contest, it's pretty cut and dry. Like you better get rad. You better yeah. do something incredible. You better impress me. Yeah. Yeah, right from the get-go. Yeah. Biggest stuff, gnarliest stuff. And I mean, that's, that's, I I guess it doesn't because you have to practice big stuff at home. But I'm just thinking the, the risk almost evens itself out with the amount of more demos you have to do to generate your money versus taking big chances at the big contests. I don't know. Right. Well, it's just an attitude, I guess. When you're younger, I know... Usually, when you're younger, you're just hungry. Like, I used to love putting on my full fails helmet. I'm not going to say I liked crashing, but I like putting on all the gear and just knowing I was invincible, or at least feeling invincible. Yeah. You know, like, when I started riding, like, I grew up watching Matt Hoffman and yeah. seeing him just get gnarly, doing incredible tricks you wouldn't believe. And I was like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> I want to do that. Yeah. So. But again, he went abnormally large. Not very many people yeah. went as large as Hoffman. Right. No, there's just something about like gearing up and being somewhat of a gladiator. Yeah. Like just, I'm going to do what it takes to get that trick. It's flipping that switch, right? Like exactly. once you get all set up and I was a better, and this is, I feel like I was better showtime than I was any other time because like you said, it was like, okay, it's time to flip the switch off in your brain as well and get to business you know versus kind of i felt myself maybe a little cautious and practice and stuff which if i was probably a better practicer i would have you know my tricks would have been better or whatever but when it was go time and it was time to flip the switch that's what i liked and it's like okay we're pulling it you know because the crap we're going for it either way right now yep 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 and i had done shows Pretty much from the beginning of my actual career. Like I didn't, I started, I went to one contest and then right after that, I started doing shows too for GT bicycles. So like I really had a good world in which I was ultra motivated right in front of huge crowds. Cause you know, when people are yelling at you, they're all still like, you want to do your best. But then um, also focused enough that uh, I wanted to learn new tricks too. So I got a good world, good, like I had the motivation and I was still young enough to have the drive to like try some more gnarly tricks at shows. I've been knocked out about 20 or 30 times in front of thousands of people. So not That's, to knock on wood that I'm still here, but people say, uh, relating to comedy again, people would always be like the new, what I did for a long time would be like, aren't you nervous to get in front of those people? You know, like, and it's like, yeah, your ego's hurt, but, have you been, uh, have you smashed the floor in front of 7,000 people? Like that also hurts your ego and your head right. like at the same time. Right. <laughs> exactly. They think cause you have a, a headache. Because <laughs> you have a helmet. I was that... at a contest in, uh, 
in England one year, this is kind of toward the end of my real professional career. I forget the year because I forget a lot of things about that. But I, I got knocked out in front of thousands of people at a competition. And I didn't realize it what had happened for a couple of days when I woke up back at home. So I flew all the way back home. Wow. Someone picked me up at the airport, drove me back to, to um, Pennsylvania where I was living. And I don't remember like a whole month of my life. So it's pretty incredible. Like, apparently I had wet my, I wet myself, knocked myself out at the bottom of a ramp, wet myself and don't remember any of it. Cause it could have been really embarrassing had yeah. I remembered at the time. <laughs> well, I, uh, Travis said, uh, somebody asked him about um, crashes and he was just like, I just don't remember him. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, it wasn't that Forget bad. It. I don't remember. Forget it as soon as you can. <laughs> I have one like that where it erased the whole that whole week, basically, where I have like two instances that I know were from that week and everything else okay. is just like gone. That's a weird uh, scenario that is not that fun. Yeah, my wife said I got up a couple mornings got dressed, put my, got my backpack and I was like ready to go somewhere. And she's like, you going somewhere? And I was like, aren't you taking me to the airport? And she'd be like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. Never mind. Yeah. Did you do the, ask the same six questions over and over? Oh yeah. <laughs> That's what people tell me anyway. Yeah. To me, they were new. Do you know how to, um, what you're supposed to do when somebody starts doing that? How to snap <laughs> them out of it? Write the answers to the questions down on a piece of paper. Oh, that's pretty good. And every time they go go to ask you something, point to the piece of paper and they'll go. At first, they'll be like, how did you do that? And then Magic. it'll like clip, click them back in and they're like, I do keep asking the same things over and over because they're on this paper <laughs> already. And I've done that uh, a couple of times and it worked. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. It's magical. So try that next time somebody does that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm, a, I'm out of that now. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, I'm sure you may be around people. Right. Maybe I'll see. Yeah. Not you. Right. But. I guess a good answer would be, a good answer to that would be, yes, you keep asking the same questions. <laughs> I started, I, I don't feel bad. I kept telling uh, my one friend, Greg, knocked himself out. And then I just started making up answers to what he was doing. Well, you know, he's like, what was I doing? And I was like, a backflip, bro. And he's like, I tried a backflip. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he was all stoked. <laughs> no, you did not. Um, all right, so you want to plug anything? You got anything? Uh... Plug anything. Well, I have written a couple kids' books awesome. that are, are really cool. And one of my actually was going to bring up because it's kind of the first one is um, about kind of me, my character basically discovering your passion in life, coming out of your shell and saying, hey, this is what I'm all about and I'm not embarrassed to share it with you. Awesome. Mine being bike riding kind of helped me grow up. The second book is about kind of an interesting thing that some BMXers might understand. There was, for some reason, the number 43 was always important in our sport. Hmm. People say, oh, 43, that's all BMX, all about BMX, right? 43, the number 43. So the second book in my series, which will be published any day now, self-published, cool. not that big time, I'm just doing it myself. Making it happen. Is about, uh, it's about this kid who um, is very angry at the world. He's a skater, hates everybody, hates everything, pissed off all the time. And he gets in a fight at school and his coach tells him, grabs him, he says, what time did you get up this morning? And he's like, I don't know, like 6.43. And his coach goes, 
all right, I want you to carry around a pen and paper. And every time you see the number 43 for the next week, write down what you saw and where you were. He's like, what? I don't, he didn't get it, but he's like, fine, whatever. I got to go to class. So he takes off. And in the next week, he starts seeing that number everywhere, 43, 43. And every time he sees it, there's something interesting going on. It's like a lesson he learns. Uh-huh. So the whole week he picks up these little lessons and he realizes by the end of the book, with the help of his coach, that um, you find what you're looking for. Whether you're looking for the number 43 or you're looking for good things or bad things, you're going to find them. Yeah. Whatever you're looking for, you can find it. That's so true. if you're looking for the bad stuff, you're going to find bad things. Yep, that's absolutely right. I tell people, if you always guess the worst thing is going to happen, eventually you're right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, dude, that was awesome uh, chatting with you. Um, what are absolutely. the name of your books and where can people find them? Well, they're both under the Stunt Masters heading. That's okay. the name of my company, Stunt Masters Inc. So the first one is Stunt Masters, What Do You Want? Learning to discover what you want. And the second one is uh, Stunt Masters 43. Awesome. All right, everybody go and uh, search those, especially if you got some little uh, groms at home that are shredding around, right? (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Check out Stuntmasters. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Anybody, um, everybody, subscribe, comment, like, whatever. All right, later, everybody. Thank you.